What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA show. I'm recording this on Tuesday, October 31st. It's Halloween night. And we had some very, very big news drop in, if you live on the East Coast, the middle of the night last night. It was past 2 a.m. And James Harden was finally traded after what's been a long time coming for a few months now. Um, And he ended up in the destination that he wanted, the Los Angeles Clippers. So just going to talk through my initial reaction to this trade. Uh, both on the side of the Clippers and the 76ers and what it means for both these teams in both the short term and the long term. So uh, with that, let's get right into it. So starting off with the terms of the deal, obviously Harden goes from the Sixers to the Clippers here, but he is joined by his longtime buddy and teammate, PJ Tucker, uh, and, as well as Philip uh, Petrusev, uh from the Sixers. And then in return, Philadelphia gets the expiring contract of Marcus Morris, the expiring contract of Robert Covington, the expiring contract of Nicholas Batum, uh, as well as K.J. Martin, who I believe has a uh, team option for next year. Uh, And then on the pick side of things, they get a 2028 unprotected first-round pick. They get two second-round picks. They get a 2029 pick swap. uh, And then they received an additional first-round pick uh, that was sent from the Thunder, um, and in return, uh, the Thunder will get a 2027 first round swap uh, with the Clippers. So not exactly some blockbuster uh, return for the Sixers in terms of just the kind of talent they're getting back for James Harden. Marcus Morris, Covington and Batum are all uh, pretty old <laughs> at this point in their careers. Um, I mean, they've played well at times, but Batum is 34, Morris is 34, Covington's 32. All of them have seen their playing time uh, been inconsistent, to say the least, over the past couple of years. Uh, all once thought to be very high-level role players, um, 3 and D guys, guys. And look, I mean, they've for their career, I mean, uh, Batum's a 37% shooter from three, Covington 36, Marcus Morris 38. So they've been good shooters. They've been good defenders. Um, but at their age, they're not exactly uh, the 3-and-D guys they, they used to be. I mean, they've fallen out of the rotation um, at various times over the past few years, um, especially Morris and Covington were not even playing for this team down the stretch last year. Um, and given that they're um, expiring deals, it's it's not exactly like these are long-term pieces uh, for Philadelphia. But... I do think that the jet, the draft equity they received back is um, it's meaningful. I mean, a 2028 unprotected pick is really valuable for a Clippers team that's very reliant on aging stars that are not signed beyond this season, um, as well as uh, the pick swap is probably going to be pretty valuable as well. Um, but I'm, I'm going to get to the Sixer side of this. In a second, I do want to start off on the Clippers side just because they are the ones getting James Harden. And I just want to start off for as much of a pain James Harden is. I don't want to let it be not discussed how good of a season he had last year. He led the NBA in assists per game at nearly 11. Um, his scoring was still lower than it had been for most of his prime, but still 21 a game. So still a pretty reliable scorer. 
Um, he was actually pretty efficient from the field. He had, a, I mean, his true shooting was above 60, well above league average. He had the highest three-point percentage um, since his t- last season in Oklahoma City, actually. So he shot the ball really well from outside. Um, he was relatively efficient from the field, 44%. That's pretty much right on par with his career. Um, but he was a big part of why Embiid won MV- MVP. He took some sacrifices, which is something we haven't seen him do uh, a ton throughout his career, but he certainly did. He accepted the fact that he was the number two fiddle on this team. Um, and he just played really well. I, I think he was worthy of being an all-star. He was right on the uh, borderline for being all NBA. I don't think I had him there last year, but I had him super close. I think that he was very, very solid. I don't want anyone to think that he's washed. He's not what he used to be. Is he going to compete for MVPs? No. Is he going to score 30 a game? No. Um, is he going to be the centerpiece on a yeah even slightly contending team? Absolutely not. But he's very, very good still. I think I still think he's a borderline top 20 player in the league. So um, this is a big get for the Clippers in general. Um, and I think probably what the biggest thing this does for them is give them some insurance for Kawhi and Paul George. So, look, we know that those guys have been really injured. They have not played a lot of games together. Um, I mean, they've only played 108 team games together combined over four seasons um that's less than 30 games per season so it's been an issue clearly um and in the postseason since 2021 so post uh covid and the bubble season they've had one single playoff series in which both paul george and Kawhi made it through the entire series healthy uh this has also been it's affected their regular season success uh, Kawhi missed all of 2022, um, and they missed the playoffs entirely. Uh, last year, they had uh, both of them miss quite a bit of time. They were in the plan for most of the season before eventually getting the five seed, but um, they, I mean, were not that many games above 500 overall. So it's affected their um, standings in the Western Conference in the regular season, having those guys out. But look, with Harden on this team, I think it gives them a ton of just uh, it increases the ability for them to survive one of those guys missing time. So like if Paul George missed 30 games or Kawhi was load managing or he missed time like that, I still think this team's probably a top four or five seed. That's been their biggest issue is just those guys staying healthy when they've both been healthy. They've been phenomenal. Uh, they have a 70 percent win percentage with an 83 and 35 record when they play coming into this season. And they've looked really good so far this year as well. So those guys staying on the court has been really the only issue for this team, like not being able to (laughs) perform at the level people think they probably should. But I think Harden helps this immensely and just it raises their floor in the regular season. Like to me, they are almost a lock to be a top four seed now. Um, I don't see any as long as two of Harden, Kawhi and Paul George are healthy. They're going to play near 50 win pace, if not better than that. Um, and I feel pretty good about that. Um, so th- that's a huge win for them. In terms of the fit um, and the postseason in particular, I, I would like this so much more if Russell Westbrook wasn't on this team. If he wasn't on the team, I would think this was a match made in heaven and that he would be exactly 
what Paul George and Kawhi need, a perfect fit for this team with all the role players, the shooters, the defenders they have. But Russ certainly complicates things. Uh, <laughs> last time we saw Hard- Harden and Russ together in Houston, it did not end particularly well. Uh, they, in, After only one year, both sides kind of decided, yeah, this isn't working out, <laughs> and they traded him for John Wall. And in that season, they were fine. They were a, a top four seed. They were a four seed, I believe. And they barely snuck by the Thunder, led by an uh, aging Chris Paul and a very, very young SGA before losing pretty handily to the Lakers, who did go on to win the championship. So it's certainly not a knock that they would lose to that team. However, I hate this fit. <laughs> Look, Russ has been way better since coming to the Clippers than he was with the Lakers. And he's actually been pretty good this year, too. Uh, he's shooting 60% from the field through three games, 50% from three. But probably the biggest thing that's been most encouraging to me is his shot attempts are way down. Uh, he was Last season, he shot 14 attempts per game from the field for the Lakers, 12.5 for the Clippers. He's down to only eight this season. So I think he's making a concerted effort to kind of take a step back and let those guys do their thing in terms of just offensive touches and shot attempts. Um and so it, that's one reason why he has been able to be uh, pretty effective for them so far. But the biggest skill set and the biggest reason that it's worked with Russ to, to the, at least some degree is because his skill set is something that this team has lacked for years. And that's just ball handling and playmaking at the point guard position. They've shuffled through a lot of guys that have just not been very good uh, between Reggie Jackson um, John Wall, I mean, they've just had not great options at point guard. Pat Bev is a fine defender, but he's just a nothing on offense. So Lou Will is terrible on deep. I mean, they've gone through guys, and that was really the biggest knock on this team is that they, similar to what the Celtics had kind of before they got Drew Holiday, like they had these two wings that were being asked to do too much with the ball because they didn't have any guards to set them up. And so Russ was helping with that. Uh, he definitely was. But that skill set is redundant with Harden, and Harden's better at rest than all of those things. He's a better playmaker. He's a better ball handler. He's a better offensive initiator. He's a better shooter. And so Russ's skill set becomes kind of um, redundant and unnecessary for this team, and there's just no way that the best version of this team is not going to have Russell Westbrook with the ball in his hands with those three other guys flanked out on the side. And so what's the alternative is that Harden runs the offense, as he probably should, but then Russ has to play off ball. And the last time we saw Russ play off ball was with the Lakers (laughs) and LeBron, and that went really, really poorly. They were not a good team when he was on the court, especially when he shared the court with LeBron, who shares a similar um, playmaking, uh, playmaking ability with Harden. And so to me, the best version of this team is Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George with either one of the centers um, and then either Terrence Mann or Norman Powell. To me, that those guys are much better fits. Powell for his shooting ability um, and, and tertiary scoring ability, and then Mann for his two-way play, both on the defensive end as well as a, as a cutter and um, a shooter offensively as well. So to me, that makes way more sense for this team. But then where does that leave Russ? Um <laughs> Is he going to be willing to come off the bench? He certainly didn't seem like a huge fan of it with the Lakers, and that ended up kind of turning into a disaster. I mean, we heard some bad stories about the locker room stuff when he uh, was demoted to coming off the bench. So is he going to be cool with that this time? 
I don't know. I've got real concerns about it. Is Russ is and look, he's I think he's on a close to minimum deal right now. So there's certainly a world where if it doesn't work out, they could cut him. I mean, they could waive him. It wouldn't be a huge deal. But I don't know if that's how it's going to play out, and I'm just terrified by this fit. I mean, the thought of Russell Westbrook and James Harden in their <laughs> early to mid-30s as the two main ball handlers on the same team in a playoff series is terrifying. I mean, we already know how bad Harden has been in the playoffs over the years. I mean, just last year versus Boston, he had a 2-for-14 game, a 3-for-14 game, a 4-for-16 game, uh, <laughs> a 3-for-11 game. He had three games and more turnovers than field goals made. He's 1-9 and nine in his last 10 elimination games. He's got 46 career playoff games where he's shot 30% or lower from the field. And Russ has just been worse, arguably. <laughs> um, since KD left uh, the Thunder, I think he's won one single playoff series, and that was... Uh, the year with Harden in Houston, <laughs> OKC was a perennial first round exit team uh, when he uh, he was still on the team post Kevin Durant, and then he went to Houston for one year, and then uh, with Washington they never made it out of the first rounds. With the Lakers, uh, they never even made the playoffs with him, uh, and then last year with the Clippers he lost first round. So he's won one playoff series, and I I think that's not a coincidence. I mean these guys have just not performed in the postseason, and then you throw in on top that. Like I said earlier, I mean, the odds of them having both Kawhi and Paul George, I mean, over the last three, four years, it's been a 0% chance and they'll both be healthy in the playoffs. So if you've got those two guys, one of the other guys injured, I think this is really not... <laughs> I'm skeptical is the point. I understand the vision, though. I understand what the Clippers are going for. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George are both getting up there in age. They're both... They put the player options after this year, so in theory, they're expiring contracts. And so I get why they're going all in. And to me, they either should have done this or traded Paul George and or Kawhi. I think it's smart to pick a side and just go for it because them staying in the middle and not getting Harden while then also keeping Kawhi and Paul George, to me, they just weren't going to be contenders like that. Um, but then they're also just not setting themselves up well for the future. So I applaud them for at least picking a side it makes sense, their vision, just in terms of the fit with Harden with those two guys. Um, but I – look, they're not the – obviously the Nuggets are still the favorites in the West, but I think that they at least have a case against anyone else. Like, I would probably pick Phoenix over them, but I think that they're at least on par now with the Lakers and Warriors – just in terms of what they could be. Like I said, if Russ was not on this team, I think I would have them comfortably ahead. And I might even have them ahead of Phoenix, legitimately. I mean, I don't think people realize how good Kawhi has been. Um, I mean, <laughs> since like January on last year, he averaged like 27 games, seven rebounds, and shot 53% from the field, 47% from three. And then in the playoffs last year, he was averaging 35 a game. Again, above 50%, 60% from three. Um, and then if you just look at his numbers this year, he's continuing that efficiency. I mean, he's um, <laughs> shooting 55% from three this year on seven attempts, 48% from the field. So, like, I mean, especially from outside, he's just been – I mean, he's been the best three-point sh – volume three-point shooter in the league since last January, legitimately. And we know what he can do as a 
off the dribble guy and as a shot creator as well. And then also as a defender. So like, yeah, he's been really good. And then Paul George has been great to start this year so far as well. Um, he's averaging 27 a game. He's shot 55% so far, 39% from three. So they've got two really good options. Harden was really good last year. I think he fits great next to those two guys. My, I really only have two question marks about this team and it's the Russell Westbrook piece of it now and if they can stay healthy with Paul George and Kawhi. But unfortunately, those are two massive question marks because uh, when we say a team like the Suns, like, oh, are they going to be good on defense? Or like the Warriors, like, oh, is Chris Paul going to fit in? I'm like, those are extremely hypothetical things that, like, we don't really know. And in a worst case, like, they're not totally detrimental. Like, Phoenix is still going to be good even if they're not phenomenal defensively. And Chris Paul, if that fits in at work, like, at least they could trade him at the deadline, but there's still a chance that Phoenix is good defensively. They've been good so far. There's a chance Chris Paul is a great fit. I mean, he's looked really good in the bench unit uh, with the bench unit, but with this, it's one of those, like we kind of know the answer and that it's, they're not going to be healthy and that Russell Westbrook's probably going to be a disaster in the playoffs and not a good fit next to Harden. Cause we've seen it before and we've never seen, the alternative. We've never seen them stay healthy at the same time. We've never seen Westbrook do well in the playoffs and or be a good fit next to a guy like Harden uh, for a large sample size. So it's tough. Uh, like I said, I get why they did it. I think it's a it's a defendable move. I'm not here at all to roast the Clippers and say like I can't believe they got rid of those trade assets. Um, Look, the picks are what they are. They already didn't have a lot of draft capital, so what's a couple extra picks? And none of the players they trade are significant in any capacity. They're all expiring players in their mid to early 30s. So it's it's not a huge, like, oh, my God, we lost all these assets. But it is risky in the sense that Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George, and, I mean, Westbrook, for that matter, are now all on expiring deal. So like if they all leave, this could get really ugly, really quick. I doubt all of them would leave. So we'll see if they are able to retain them all. Then, uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe Westbrook should leave, but for the other three guys, if they're able to ret- retain them all, then it's fine. I mean, they can just run them back next year, but it's risky. I mean, having, I can't remember the last time a team had three all-star caliber players that were all free agents at the same year. Um, <laughs> so, We'll see. It's uh, maybe since the big three heat when LeBron ended up leaving, but Bosch and Wade did stay. Um, that was maybe the last time. But like I said, I get why they did it. I think it's risky to an extent, but I think it's better than standing pat, in my opinion. I think standing in the middle and kind of not committing to all in, but also not committing to maybe rebuilding is the worst thing they could have done. So I, I get it. Um, and I, But I'm not... I'm not sold on them as a contender. I'm not going to pick them to make the finals now. I'm not going to pick them to beat Denver. I'm probably not going to pick them to beat Phoenix. And we'd have to, I have to see how it plays out in terms of um, them versus the Warriors or Lakers, for example. Um, but it, it'll be fun to watch. They got, a, <laughs> they got a lot of talent now. No excuses. Ty Lue's a great coach three all-star guys. They're still deep too. I mean, they still got Bones Highland, Norman Powell, uh, Mason Plumley, Zubats, 
Terrence Mann, they were able to keep. They got P.J. Tucker, too. He's going to be a really interesting piece and allow them to play some small ball. We've seen him actually be relatively effective against a guy like Jokic, which is crazy because almost no one's effective against him. And I'm not, I don't think he's a long-term sustainable option on him, but at least it's a different look. Uh, and they can do some five-out lineups that they really didn't have a ton of before, except for maybe with Covington. But uh, we know T- Tucker is kind of the best that we've seen in the modern era at doing that. So um, I know he's old, but it's uh, – yeah. I'm looking forward to see how it plays out on their end. Um, the Philadelphia side of things. So – like I said, they really didn't get many, if any, impactful pieces for this season. Um, Covington, Morris, and Batum are all, I mean, <laughs> I don't think any of them are going to start for this team. I think at least one of them probably won't even be in the rotation. Um, I don't know who that'll be. At. Covington's actually played pretty well so far this year, but Morris has been like bad for a couple years now. Batum is just a little too inconsistent with his shot. And when he's not making it, it's like, what is he doing out there? (laughs) Um, But I think that the main reason they felt confident to, to pull this trade off is because of the evolution of Tyrese Maxey through. I know it's only three games, but he's averaging 30 a game so far. He's up to assist to over six a game, almost seven rebounds a game. Um, On top of the six assists, he's only averaging one turnover. So he's been really great taking care of the ball. He shot 50% from the field, 56% from three on eight attempts. Um, and his career, 42% from three and 48% from the field. So for a guy his size, I mean, he's only 6'2". He's super efficient. I mean, I, I was worried about him uh, in his early years in Philadelphia that he was kind of a tweener. He's not a really a true point guard, but he's a little undersized to play the two guard. So I was worried that he could be destined for like a six-man type role. Um, oh, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams type. But, I mean, I do not think that anymore. He is – his level of efficiency for that size is absurdly impressive. I mean, I, he's all kind of flirted with 50-40-90 over the past few years, which is crazy for a guy of his size, like I said. And the fact that he takes care of the ball, he's not really been much of a playmaker at this point in his career. His career high in assists is four a game. But I think that with Harden, it's kind of hard to just because how much he has the ball in his hands. And with the ball in his hands more this year, we've seen him do that. Um, I also think that their offense has looked a lot more fluid with Nick Nurse. Uh, for example, I mean, Embiid's averaging seven assists this year. So I think there's a lot more ball movement. I think they're getting Embiid a lot more involved outside of just pick and rolls and isolations. I think they're just doing less pick and rolls and less isolations, more cutting, more ball movement, more guys moving without the ball a lot less standing around, um, and it's been it's been effective for them. I mean, they've looked uh, pretty good overall. I know they uh, lost to the um, to the Bucks in that opening night game, but they've won their last two games since then um, and looked good in doing so. So they've looked really good overall. I mean, I've said this for a while too that like Tobias Harris, for example, is he massively overpaid? Absolutely, but. Is he a bad player? Absolutely not. He's still extremely passable defensively. It, he's average at worst. He's fine. Not a lockdown guy, but he's fi- he's decent there. And then offensively, I mean, he's been really efficient with the Sixers over the past few years. The volume has gone down a ton with Harden on the team. 
but he's been around 50% from the field, around 40% from three-point range, uh, and he can do a lot more than just catch and shoot. He's basically been relegated into a glorified 3-and-D guy where he's really just being asked to stand on the wing, catch the ball, and shoot it, but he can do much more than that. He does have some offensive shot creation ability and initiation um, that really he hasn't had the opportunity to display over the past few years, um, primarily because their entire offense was basically isolation and pick and roll with uh, Embiid and Harden, whether that be an Embiid isolation on the block or running a pick and roll with Harden. And I get why they were doing that, uh, just because they had one of, if not the best pick and roll combo uh, over the last couple of years with those two. But how many times can you do that and fall short and not think maybe it's time to change it up? So I, I really like what Nick Nurse has done uh, for this offense. They're doing way less pick and roll, way less isolation, a lot more ball movement, um, a lot more moving when you don't have the ball, not guys just standing around, more cutting. Um, Embiid and Maxi are both averaging career highs and assists currently. Um, because that ball is just whipping around as opposed to Harden, dribble, 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 pick and roll or kick out or just dump it to Embiid. So I, with their new system, with Maxi taking potentially an all-star level leap, with Embiid still playing at an MVP level, with Harris maybe getting a little bit more freedom to do things offensively. Um, and then, look, they're going to have depth. Uh, Kelly Oubre has actually played pretty well for them so far. I still have De'Anthony Melton. The three guys they added, I mean, between Covington, Morris, and Batum, if at least one or two of those guys can play pretty well, um, then Patrick Beverly is a good defender. Um, Paul Reed's one of the better uh, backup bigs we have in the league right now. So, look, they're deep. They got size. They got length. They've got different guys to throw at you. They've got guys who can shoot. Um, and they potentially have two all-stars now if Maxi does take that leap. So, they're going to be still pretty good. Um I do not think they're contenders. Well, I didn't think they were true contenders, even with Harden, but they were closer. I still would think that they're better if they had Harden on the team. However, I think this team is less likely to fall flat in the playoffs and now more just likely to like lose to a better team. Like I don't think they're going to lose to a team other than Boston or Milwaukee right now. I guess maybe they could lose to Miami as well, but my <laughs> Miami doesn't count. No rules apply to them ever. But they're going to be a top five, six seed at least. I mean, they they got a lot of options, like I said, so they're going to be good. They're not true contenders anymore, and so I I think we can't put full judgment on them with this deal until we see what they do because I think they're absolutely going to make another move here. They've got way more draft capital now to deal. Um, Additionally, all the players they acquired were expiring contracts. So those expiring contracts paired with the Tobias Harris expiring contract uh, and (laughs) the Patrick Beverly was a one-year deal. Uh, Melton's on an expiring. So like Maxie's a restricted free agent after this year. So after this year, they have only Joel Embiid and Jaden Springer and Paul Reed under contract. So they've got going to have up to like 55 million in cap space. And there's a lot of pretty good free agents this summer. Um, Pascal Siakam, Clay Thompson, ironically enough, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, LeBron too. I, I don't see him leaving or anything like that, but 
they're going to have options to either trade for someone midseason or take that cap space into the summer and sign somebody. I think that both of those have risks. I think they've got to do one or the other because like, if they don't add like somebody significant, then and, and the clock's ticking on Embiid and he's going to want out and there's no doubt about that. However, there's pros and cons of doing both. Let's say they trade for somebody midseason. Uh, we saw them link to Zach Levine or OG Ananobi. Is OG Ananobi going to put this team over the top into a contender? I say no. I think OG's a really good player, but he's a elite role player and nothing more. He's not an all-star, even like potential caliber player. And then Zach Levine, is he going to make them into a contender? I think he makes them better, but is he... I mean, him and Maxi, is that a better pairing than Harden and Maxi? I'm not sure. I think Maxi and Levine are a little redundant. Um, so I, I just don't know if there's a trade available to push his team actually over the top. Like if they trade for either of those two guys or like a Jeremy Grant even, is this team still not just going to lose second round? Like I think they absolutely would. Um, and in the wrong matchup, they – I wouldn't rule out them losing first round even. So then the alternative is, okay, let's – let's because if they make those trades, especially like the Levine one, then they're not going to have the cap space they would have. They can't sign anybody big unless they did like some sign-and-trade or didn't sign Maxi, which obviously is not going to happen. So the alternative is, okay, let's, let's wait it out. We want to use that cap space um, and go after one of the big fish this free, free agency. But if you swing and miss on that, then – and B's going to start looking around and be like, what the hell am I doing here? Um, so it's risky, too. Also, you're basically throwing this season away if you do that because at least with those other – acquiring one of those other guys gives you maybe a, sh uh, a better shot to make a deep run this postseason. But I don't think um, without getting at least one more player, I don't see how that happens. So it's risky. I don't think we can judge the trade until – their move is made because they will make a move. There's no doubt about it. And they're going to use the assets they got back in this deal to make that uh, whatever trade they make probably. And so we'll have to judge it once that happens. But for Philadelphia, like I said, not a true contender now. I didn't think they were before, but they're they're They took a step back with this trade. But I think it's with the idea that they've got something more in the works coming up, whether that be signing someone in free agency after um, this season and hoping that next year's the year. year. Um, but in beats 29, so we will see if that is um, a strategy they want to take on or if they try to trade for somebody this year um, and with a Levine or Jeremy Grant or on an Anobi. But I'm not sure those guys push them over the top. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, and then we can totally judge that trade. But, look, at the end of the day, I understand why they wanted to just cut it loose with Harden. Um, I mean, he's been – they couldn't have this go on much longer. I mean, this would have been the second time with the Ben Simmons thing where they played half a season just under man without the proper reinforcements and also just having a distraction – so it's good that it's kind of just over and done with, but it's maybe not as nice of a deal as you would have hoped. I know Maury is a guy looking for stars, and he didn't get his star. But given the picks they got, it's not an awful return overall. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of the Sean Jones NBA show. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I will probably do another episode uh, sometime in the next week or two, just talking about some early season observations. But, you know, most teams have only played three games right now, and I don't think it's necessarily fair to (laughs) start making uh, grand conclusions after three games. So I'm going to wait till that sample size gets at least a little bit bigger uh, before we start forming real opinions on these teams. Um, But once that does happen, maybe if we're at the 10 to 15 game mark, um, then I'll I'll hop back on here and uh, chat about what I've been seeing across the league so far. Um, Unless there's another big move, then maybe we'll talk before then. But uh, (laughs) with Harden gone, I I doubt there will be, at least not for right now. But uh, thank you so much for listening, um, and I will chat with you soon.